that's a slightly different response from the first time that I stood in the pulpit here. <laughs> that was a congregation filled with fear and trembling. And that's really the only way you can find and fulfill the will of God when you are filled with fear and trembling. There was a pulpit committee. This man, Larry Phelps, was the chairman. Larry and Bobby Phillips were on that committee, Troy Evans and Randy Kimball. Now those five had uh, previously brought a young pastor in front of this church who was about 30 years old and had been pastor of one church. And the congregation told the pulpit committee, we didn't vote very much for him because he didn't have enough experience. And so the pulpit committee went back searching and brought me. I was 27. <laughs> I had not one day of pastoral experience. And there was a dear lady named Ozell Klein who's on the second row right here that night, very active in the WMU and the rest of our church. And at the question and answer time on Sunday evening, Ozell stood up and she said, uh, young man, um, you're 27. Most of us are a whole lot older than you. How do you intend to relate as a pastor to us? God gave me the words to say. He said, I intend to learn a whole lot from you. That's never changed. I still need to keep learning. When I was a seminary student, I had a class called Spiritual Foundations for Missions, and Dr. Jack Gray was the professor. And he took us through a little book called The Green Letters. And the words weren't in the book, but Dr. Gray emphasized it again and again and again and again. The essence or the, the main teaching of what we're learning here is when I'm green, I'm growing. When I'm ripe, I'm beginning to rot. The secret that each one of us needs in life, wherever we may be in our journey, is to stay green and growing. If you ever get to the place where you sense, I know it all, guess what that means? You'll soon stink up the place because you're ripe and beginning to rot. God has a lot he wants to teach us. A whole lot. 
One thing is still the same as the first time I stood in a pulpit, which was in March of 1970 in First Baptist Church, Mount Pleasant, my home church, to preach a message about golf called Getting Out of the Rough. I had a great deal of uh, shaking in my legs. I still have that. The difference now is uh, that afternoon, Sunday afternoon, I practiced that sermon three times. It took 28, 29, and 30 minutes. That night, I preached that sermon and did not leave out a word. It took me 13 minutes. Um, the legs still shake, but some way as you learn, you want to share what you learn. When I was a little boy, one of my first spiritual memories is at my mama and papa's house in Mount Pleasant. Every Sunday morning, I would, um, at I guess it was because of the way we were scheduled getting ready to go to Sunday school, but there was a time when I would go out in the backyard, open the screen door, go out in the backyard, and just at that time, every Sunday morning, my papa would have on the radio, and there would be this voice saying, welcome friends to the shortest 30 minutes in radio, songs by the Tom Briley Quartet, and this is that man himself, Tom Briley, and then he would sing. He would sing this to start his program. He would sing this to finish his program. Trials dark on every hand, and we cannot understand all the ways that God would lead us to his blessed promised land. But he'll guide us with his eye, and we'll follow till we die, and we'll understand it better by and by. By and by, when the morning comes, when the saints of God are gathered home, we will tell the story how we've overcome, we will understand it better by and by. I hope that as you focus on him, which he calls us all to do, that he, you are allowing him to grow more and more of a heavenly anticipation within your heart, within your soul, of the time when you will be with him in his heaven and you will understand it better by and by. It's a blessed moment. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Why is that? It's when he welcomes us home. We're not home till we get there. We're just passing through here. Some way, somehow we become so involved in this world in which we live that we take our eyes off of home. We get so involved in all our passions here and our pastimes and all of our business or what have you that we miss what the one who created us is seeking to teach us. And when we miss him, we fail to understand things from his perspective so that we become his messengers in sharing with those whom we love in ways that point them to him. There isn't any higher calling that any human being has than the calling to pass on to those who come after you the lessons that you have learned from your heavenly father. 
There's a verse or two, well, 70, Psalm 73, 25 and 26 says, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth I desire besides thee. My flesh and my heart, they fail. My flesh fails, my heart fails, my spiritual heart fails. But the Lord is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. As for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all of his deeds. Now, the first time I ever heard those verses preached was by a very elderly preacher named Vance Havner. This church, First Baptist Keller, sent Jane and me to um, Glorietta to a Bible preaching week, a missions emphasis altogether. And Vance Havner was there. And that dear man, I think he was in his 80s at that time, he, he talked about how God had kept teaching him. And his favorite thing in life was to pass on to those who came after him the lessons God was still teaching him. He said, I hadn't learned it all yet. It caught my young pastor's heart and attention. I've found in my life that those who have been most used of God to teach me have been those who are nearing, if not already in their 80s or 90s, most used. Others have been used too. But those from whom I've learned the most have been those who have had the great long track record of learning from our Lord. And there was an eagerness about them as there was a twinkle within their eye that spoke of heaven that is to come. There was an eagerness to share what they were learning along the way. One dear lady named Ms. Auten, Charles and Susie Auten from Sulphur, Oklahoma, Jane and I listened to her pray for us. I've lived 71 years now, and I've still never heard anybody pray like this lady prayed. No one. She knew the one to whom she was speaking. She was nearing 90 years of age, and she knew him. She had listened to him. And we said to her at the close of one conversation, Ms. Auten, these things that you're praying for us, most of them, if not all of them, all things being equal, you'll be in heaven before these have a chance to be answered the way you've been praying. Will God let you know the answers to your prayers? Oh, yes, my son. Just like that. Oh, yes, my son. In heaven, God only withholds from me that which would bring me pain. He will never withhold one single thing from me that would bring me joy. Every answered prayer will be a joy. Well, Psalm 121 is one of the songs of a sense. 
There is a Hebrew word, A-L-I-J-A-H, Elijah, something like that. Elijah? Elijah or Elijah means the going up, the ascent. All of my life is meant by God to be an Elijah. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. There needs to be a, an understanding that God is so big, so infinitely majestic, grand, wonderful, beyond any words to describe that there will never come a time in time, but there will never come a time even in eternity that we know everything there is to know about him. He'll keep explaining himself. He'll keep revealing himself forever and ever and ever. He's literally that big and that good. He wants us to know him. It's a pressing on kind of thing. It's a spiritual journey. In some way, somehow, people around us, beginning with those who are nearest and dearest to us, need to catch from us that what this is all about is a spiritual journey. What this is all about is knowing the one who is God and going on to know him better in a way that allows me to tell the stories that reveal him to those who are coming after me after me with the prayer in my heart that they might know him too. He wants us to keep ascending. So Psalm 121 says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. The maker of heaven and earth. You have needs, struggles, trials, heartaches. What do you do? I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. Do you live in an awareness that your greatest need in every day that you live is God himself? Whom do you have in heaven but him? It needs to be that there is none upon earth that you seek besides him. You're like me, your flesh, your heart, they fail. But the Lord himself is the strength of your heart. He is your portion Portions that which satisfies you, remember. He is your portion forever. As for me, it's good to be near God. I've made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all of his deeds. It all starts in your heart. 
Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Every single thing about our lives comes forth from that which is happening deep within our hearts. Matthew 12, 34, Matthew 1, 2, 34 says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. All we have to do is listen to one another and we can tell where our hearts are. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Most of you here, we've got some cheerleaders here. We're grateful for you. Um, but most of us here, it's now or never. Laying up treasure in heaven. This is it. But the good news is that this is the very time of life that God has always had in his mind that you and I have more opportunity to bear fruit for him than we have ever had before. Literally. What did I just say a while ago? It's the truth. Most of those from whom I have learned the most have been those who have been in their 80s or 90s. They spoke in a way that pointed my heart and my mind to the one who is my God. I knew I was in his presence when I was in their presence. They weren't talking to me about passing things of this earth. They knew what mattered and they wanted me to understand what mattered. They pointed me to the reality of the presence of God. We need to live with that awareness of how important these days are in life. Continuing in Psalm 121 with verse 3. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. God doesn't get taken by surprise. There isn't one thing that's ever happened to you or to me that he didn't see coming. He's always aware of what's going on. He's not asleep. And he knows what he's going to do with it. And he is seeking to cause us to so live in faith that we can look to him in the midst of it all and be aware of his presence and what he's seeking to do. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Because of the Lord, each of us can make our Eliha, our ascension. We can keep pressing on the upward way. 
but only in his strength. Now, God loves us. That's the biggest understatement that any pastor can ever make. God loves us. Yes. God is love. And God who is love, loves. God's love is um, a yearning, burning desire for and delight in the highest possible good of another. Not what I want for somebody else, what he wants. We've had a lot of heartache in terms of those we love going home recently and um, it hurts. But we had a blessing last night. We've been praying for our oldest daughter, Jennifer. She was six weeks old when we came here. And her husband, they, they've lived the last several years in uh, Longmont, Colorado. Our second daughter, Joy, who was born while we were here, she lives there too. And Joy is, uh, and her husband are seeking to come back to Texas right now. Yeah. Joy's expecting her fifth child. Yep. So somehow, being a little closer to Mimi kind of gets her excited. But last night, we got a call from Jennifer and her husband, Colby. And the good news was that they're moving to Tyler. And we've been praying for God's perfect will to be done for them, wherever that would be. Literally, that was our prayer. Well, God did exceeding abundantly above anything Mimi and Papa could have asked for or thought about. It's a good thing. God wants us to call on him knowing that he loves us and he knows what's best for us. A yearning, burning desire for and delight in the highest possible good of another. Think of every disappointment you've ever had in life, whatever that might have been. Do you have the insight because the Holy Spirit is enlightening you to see it that every one of those disappointments has been turned by your heavenly father for your good because he loves you? God's just that big, just that loving. He loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God, the greatest lover, so loved the greatest degree, the world, the greatest company, that he gave the greatest act, his only begotten son, the greatest gift, that whosoever, the greatest opportunity, believeth the greatest simplicity, in him the greatest attraction, should not perish the greatest promise, but the greatest difference, have 
the greatest certainty, eternal life, the greatest possession. God loves you that much. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God knows what we need far better than we do. He knows that which will bring us blessing far more than we can ever imagine. And he wants to do it for his glory. God loves us. Now he wants our attention so he can reveal to us what he's doing. Deuteronomy 4.39 says, Know therefore this day. And consider it in your heart that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. There is none else. Now, the one who is God, the one and only one who is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath, there is none else. <clears throat> He's worthy of our attention. Where do you spend your time each day? What has your attention? Who has your attention? He wants it. He not only wants your attention, he wants your heart. Deuteronomy 5.29 says, this is God speaking. Oh, that there were such an heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments that it might be well with them and with their children forever. God wants to bless not only us, he wants to bless those, of, those who come after us. And God knows that the way to, to that is for us to respond to him in our hearts. The fear of the Lord in our hearts. Oh, that there were such an heart in them that they would fear me. Some people run away from that word. Don't run away from fearing God. You don't have to fear anybody else because of God, but fear God. There's a reason for that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. It all starts with the fear of God. There isn't anything so lacking, so much needed in this land of ours today as is the fear of God. It needs to be that a man or a woman fears God before he or she ever speaks about anything. Because there is no way to speak wisely about anything unless that wisdom comes from the fear of God. But we live in a world where so many are so politically correct that they miss the fear of God. God's the answer. Nobody else. Now here's the truth. You, me, at this place in life, we have the greatest opportunity that we have ever had to make the needed difference in this land. The eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro throughout the whole earth 
to show himself strong in behalf of those whose hearts are perfect toward him. All I want, Lord, is your will. I give myself to you with all my heart. I love you with all my heart. I know you've loved me. Now, Lord, it's my turn. I want to love you. And now, Lord, your love compels me. I want your love flowing through me to make your difference in the lives of others. So, Lord, I give myself to you in every new day for the purposes that you have ordained. Use me, Lord, to let your good news known, make, make known. He loves us. He wants our attention. He wants our hearts. He's made us in his image for his purpose. His purpose for each of us is to glorify him. We've been taught to seek our own glory. Never God's will. Psalm 115, verse 1, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. All glory belongs to him. Now unto him who is able to do, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, able to do exceeding abundantly above anything we could ever ask or think according to the power that worketh in us unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Before God ever placed you in your mother's womb, before he ever brought your life forth from that womb, he already knew his purpose for your life. And at the heart of that purpose was that he would be allowed as you yielded to him in faith for him to use your life to bring glory to his eternal name. You were made for his glory. He wants others to see his glory through you. Now he's at his work to fulfill his purpose in and through each of us. All things work together for good for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed according to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God's purpose is to remake us in the image of his son that we might be like him for the father's glory. That's what God's about. So he wants us to keep, keep on keeping on. Keep ascending. How do you do that? My favorite time of the day is the early, early morning. Five to eight. Sometimes it lasts longer than that. But that's my favorite part of the day. I'm the most alert in that time of the day. 
I don't hurt as much in that time of day. Psalm 5, verse 3. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and look up. That's what God wants for you. He wants you looking up in expectation in the beginning of each new day. I met God in the morning. That's one of them. When the day was at its best and his presence came like sunrise, like a glory within my breast. All day long, his presence lingered all day long. He stayed with me and we sailed in perfect calmness or a very troubled sea. Other ships were blown and battered. Other ships were sore distressed, but the winds that seemed to drive them brought to me a peace and rest. Then I thought of other mornings when I, with a keen remorse of mind, when I too had left the moorings with his presence left behind. So I think I found the secret, learned from many a troubled way. You must seek God in the morning if you want him through the day. God wants to meet you in the beginning of each of your days. And if you will dare to do that, he will reveal something of himself in the quietness of those moments through his word as you open his word, through devotional books that are centered in his word. He speaks in different ways, but he wants to speak to you. You know why? Because he wants to speak through you in that very same day to reveal his truth, his hope to others whom you're going to meet that day. He wants to use your life for his glory in that day. And so he'll reveal himself to you on his way to speaking to others. One of my favorite verses in the last 10 years of my life and those years have been with a vision toward however many more years he might allow me to live. Is a verse that I've learned, but I'm learning that he doesn't intend it just for me. He intends it for everyone who will meet with him. He intends it for you if you'll meet him in the morning. The verse is in Isaiah chapter 50, 5, 0, verse 4. It says, the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned. That I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. what we need to speak a word in season to him that's weary. He wakens me morning by morning. He wakens mine ear to hear, hear and hear, to hear as one being taught. The next verse says, I've not been rebellious. I've not turned back. I'm going to keep going with God, listening to God. God has amazing things he's still wanting to teach his children. 
I love this family. And see, uh, if, if this pulpit committee and this church had not made that step of faith 43 plus years, well, it was December the 15th, 1974 that I stood here in view of a call in the other building as pastor and then the first Sunday of January of 1975 I became the pastor. It was their step of faith that allowed me to be a pastor. And I found that every bit as much as a pastor molds a church, a church molds a pastor and this church was filled with people that literally loved me into being a pastor. I'm grateful, very, very grateful. But um, they were later a part of my church at, at North Fort Worth Baptist Church and then at Community Baptist Church in Decatur. 10 years ago today, Today, this dear lady called me and she asked me a question. I'm going to show you God works in all things, okay? Asked me a question I'd never been asked before. I'd been a pastor 32 years at that point, I guess. She said, Pastor John, Brother John, she called me. I need you to do a funeral for my dog. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> until, until I prayed. Lord, I know her heart, you know her heart. What do you want? Well, she wanted Larry to dig a grave in the back left corner of their lot. She wanted Jake to be placed there and she wanted a service. Lord, where do I go in your word for this? You ever thought of that? Do you believe God has an answer for everything? He literally does. Search the scriptures. Search them. So I said, Lord, show me. So he led me to Job. Job chapter 12, beginning with verse 7. It was verse 7 that really did it, but the rest of this from 7 through 12 is important for us tonight. Job 12, 7 says, But ask the animals, and they will teach you. There are a lot of people here that love animals. I've learned a lot from people that love animals. Mm. Maggie still hurts today over Jake. She loved Jake. Ask the animals and they will teach you. 
Lord, what do you want me to do with that? Once he said in a still small voice, to gather that family around that burial site and go around that circle and let each member of that family, how many were there? Eight or ten or something? You don't remember how many. There were several of their family there. And let each one in that family speak of one thing that God has taught them through this dog. With tears in their eyes, every single one of them had a lesson of eternity that they were able to speak because God in his providence had given them Jake. And they learned something that would stay with them forever. The point is that in everything about your life, God is seeking to speak to you if he has your attention. You can pass things off and get worldly answers for this, that, and everything, or you can look up and say, Lord, what do you want me to learn? Ask the animals, and they will teach you. Are the birds in the sky, and they will tell you. Or speak to the earth, and it will teach you. Or let the fish in the sea inform you. Which of these, the animals, the birds, the earth, the fish, which of these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? Creation is aware of God. We need to be aware of God. In his hand is the life of every creature. There isn't any such thing as having life apart from God. Not at all. And the breath of all mankind does not the ear test words and the tongue taste food? Is not wisdom found among the aged? Did you hear that? Is not wisdom found among the aged? Rejoice. You've arrived. This is your opportunity. God knows what he's doing. God wants to share through you like he's never shared before. I remember my favorite kind of movies are the ones that make me laugh. The one called Home Alone. I love it when my grandchildren want to see it. Little boy in that movie, as the bad guys are about to attack the home, he says, this is it. Don't get scared now. This is it, folks. Don't get scared now. This is when God wants to use you more than ever before. Is not wisdom found among the aged? Does not long life bring understanding? Some blessings can be found in no other way. Just that. Beginning when I was pastor here, back in the late, middle to late 1970s to end of October 1979, I remember that long ago preaching from Psalm 90. 
And then I remember a couple of years ago preaching from Psalm 90. It struck me different. Especially this part. The days of our years are three score years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it's soon cut off and we fly away. Mm -hmm. That's verse 10. Then verse 12 says, So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And the still small voice said, You're there. I want you to use whatever life that I have for you, teaching your grandchildren what you know. Our favorite verse, Jane and me, together, is I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. That's what we want to teach not only our children who do that, but our grandchildren. Would you pray with us to that end? We will pray with you too. That's your calling. This is your opportunity. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. Great is your reward in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you from the depths of our hearts for your great love for us. You've shown us that love in Jesus. We praise you. You want our attention, you want our hearts. You know your purpose for our life to bring you glory. You made us in your image that we might fulfill that purpose. You've come to us in Christ and through your Holy Spirit to live in us to that end. And we praise you that you never give up. You just keep on working. You never drop us. And you're seeking to fulfill that purpose. To fulfill your glory through us. Father, thank you for these blessed years of life that you give us. Let us recognize the gift, the blessing. And let us ask you in the morning of each new day to speak to us and through us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.